What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast. And it's going to be a nice solo one today with yours truly. And what I wanted to talk about today is I wanted to talk about some research-based facts on sustainable fat loss. And also, obviously, I'm going to share some extremely valuable wisdom that I've acquired over the years, having coached so many people. Now, I wanted to just quickly share with you, you know, 10 of the most powerful uh, tips when it comes to achieving sustainable fat loss. Now, what do I mean when I say sustainable fat loss, first and foremost? What I mean is not just being able to get lean, but being able to stay lean. And I this is weight loss or fat loss, right? You can, you can put it in whatever category you want, right? Uh, but the reality is, you know, you're looking, you're looking, when you're looking to improve the way your body looks and, and improve your metabolic health, in other words, for example, if you're carrying too much body fat around your internal organs, your you know, visceral fats, then ultimately that is going to be really, really dangerous in terms of your health, right? In terms of the ramifications that could cause with chronic illness, diabetes, et cetera. Um, and not to mention, you know, heart disease and all those kind of things, right? But I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I wanted to share this because I don't know if you know the facts. Again, I'm going to share a lot of research-based stuff with you in studies uh, real quick. I'm not going to go deep into the weeds with them. Uh, and then I'm just going to share my wisdom and explain each point uh, quickly. So in terms of the research on people gaining weight back, now there's lots of different studies done, but an example of one study done on lots of people was over 50% gain all of the weight back that they lost or fat they lost, let's just say weight, that they lost back within a year. Okay, so over 50% of people gain all the weight back they lost within a year, right? Six out of seven people will lose a significant amount of weight at uh, several times, or at least at one point in their lifetime, only to gain the weight back and more. Now, over 85% of people will gain all of the weight back they lost within two to three years, okay? So it just goes to show that actually it's not weight loss that's the problem. You know, obviously we're facing an, an epidemic essentially of chronic illness, especially with diabetes, autoimmune illness, heart disease, all those kind of things. In fact, heart disease has surpassed cancer now as well. Um, but yeah, in terms of people being overweight, I mean, there's an obesity epidemic, right? So it's keeping the weight off. It's not the weight loss is the problem. It's being able to keep the weight off. So I wanted to keep that in mind. All right. Now, the first few points I'm going to talk about, right, is essentially... Um, the research-based facts, okay? So based on research, okay, and I'm going to relate some of this to clients as well and give you some examples. Um, but I'm going to run through the 10, the 10 things you need to keep in mind, the 10 things you need to really uh, not so much implement, but 10 factors uh, which you want to take into account and potentially implement. Um, but again, you're not going to implement all 10 of these. It's a case of taking one or two of these away. And that is what could be a game changer, right? So let's get into it, right? So number one, in terms of success with sustainable fat loss, right? Losing weight, being able to keep it off and stay healthy and maintain good metabolic health. In other words, not carrying excess body fat. Number one, uh, this is in no particular order, by the way, right? Research shows self-monitoring is key. Now, I've coached loads of people, as you know. And self-monitoring, for example, is you know weighing your food, Tracking your food, not the sexy stuff, uh, weighing yourself, monitoring progress, whether that be weighing yourself, doing measurements with your body, body composition, you know, body fat tests, 
uh, or even obviously, you know, progress photos like I do with clients. We we track everything in, in Optimize Your Body. You know, we don't leave nothing to chance. Um, and I've noticed with clients as well, uh, the ones who have long-term success, you know, because some people, the average person stays with me for a year anyway, uh, but the people that get lifetime success are always the ones who are willing to, at least at the start of their journey. And it really depends on where you're at in your journey. And, you know, it's, it's not going to work. It's not necessary for everyone to track all of these metrics, of course, right? Um, but at least one or one or two of these things in terms of like tracking food or weighing yourself regular, those kind of things are vital. And this is proven time and time again when it comes to sustainable weight loss. So self-monitoring, weighing your food, weighing yourself, tracking your food, uh, tracking your stats. Uh, it's another form of self-accountability, right? So ultimately, you know, for example, you could have a coach to hold you accountable, but you've got to hold yourself accountable, right? You've got to, you've got to be self-sustaining. And the first starting point there is going to be having that awareness, having that self-accountability. And this is categorized under self-monitoring, right? So proven time and time again in research. So if you're running away from this and you're avoiding this and you're saying to yourself, oh, I don't need to track. No, I'm good. You know, I eat healthy. I don't need to do that. But you're struggling with weight loss, uh, yo-yo dieting, or just basically being overweight and unhealthy. Uh, then you need to check yourself, my friend, right? Once again, I'm going to be straight up. Self-monitoring is key in most cases. Number two, I always talk about this is pre-planning, right? So planning ahead, you know, if you're going to go to a restaurant, for example, looking at the menu in advance, for example, I just went away to Bali and we would just naturally look at the menu to see what we could eat there, you know, because we want to have a lot of protein each meal because I want to and I enjoy meat anyway, but I know intuitively that's going to blunt my appetite as well and all the other stuff that comes with having high protein. So I just do that naturally now. It's ingrained in me, uh, but that's key, okay? So planning your meals, planning ahead, um, and ultimately just having that structure, right? On the same note, you need to have that flexibility. So what I'm saying here by planning ahead, it's not about being super rigid in your approach and trying to stick to you know a diet plan or sticking to eating the same foods every day or being overly restrictive. Uh, that is one of the biggest problems when it comes to people gaining the weight back, right? So it's a case of planning, whether that be your training sessions and factoring them into your schedule, because a lot of busy professionals listening back to this, um, you know, you, you sometimes you just don't allocate your self-care. I always say to clients, you, we need to plan our self-care at the start of the week. When you put all your work stuff in, where what what days are you going to train? When are you going to the gym? You know, how are we going to get ahead with meal prep or getting the meal prep company to help you? These kind of things, right? Really, really important. This is proven in research. Okay. So planning ahead and pre-planning. is absolutely paramount, okay? So really pay attention to that one because I've coached so many people and it's always comes down to time management and organization, right? And what you prioritize, you're going to get done. As simple as that, right? So no excuses on that one, ladies and gents. So it's a fine line between being prepared, also having that flexibility with your approach, right? Now, number three is, you know, who you've got around you, right? So compliments and encouragement from people is absolutely essential, right? Now, when I say essential, sorry, it doesn't mean it's you need to have that, right? Obviously, but research shows that actually having, actually, you do need to have this. I'm going to take this back because again, I'm going to, I'm going to relate this to the community. We've got to optimize your body and how powerful this has been and impactful to people getting results by having like-minded people around them who A, want to see them win and B, are like-minded and are growth-minded and are really every day trying to improve themselves. Having those kind of people around you is key, right? And you can relate this to, uh, for example, you know, boxing, like someone who's going to prepare for a fight, right? 
they're not going to be sparring with chumps all the time because what's going to happen is this they're sparring with chumps and people who are not pushing them to grow and get better and then they're going to get a head punched in when they get into the ring right with the you know on, on match day on fight day so that's just an example there but you've got to have the right people around you the right sparring partners uh, who push you but also it's it's having those com- like simple things like it might even be your spouse or your partner or a family member or friend you know what it's like when people compliment you say oh well done you know you're looking good i can see your hard work paying off they those things go a long way right they go a long way and you could look at this as like you could say as validation or whatever it is um, but it's key and what is also shown in research on the flip side is criticism or naysayers or people who don't share the same vision or are giving you pushback and essentially bringing you down, uh, that is when people sabotage, when they have that criticism, they don't have that support network, right? It's absolutely essential in every area of life, right? Uh, Especially in health and fitness. So compliments and encouragement from people is key. Criticism is a big no-no when it comes to sustainable fat loss. Again, these are in no particular order. Number four is essentially continuously uh, reinventing yourself. Now, again, I'm going to relate this to clients, right? Because I'm always... uh, helping my clients stretch their vision and essentially reinvent themselves, remind themselves why they're on the journey um, and ultimately making sure they don't go back to their old lifestyle, right? And this really depends on the clients. A lot of people I take on, they've already come a long way on their own and they've already cemented things in. They already live a healthy lifestyle and they, they do all the things, but they just need to get to that next level. But I guess here I'm talking to the, I'm talking to anyone who's not just looking, trying to trying to lose weight or struggling to lose weight. I'm talking to people who are just looking to get to the next level, uh, get lean and stay lean. You have to reinvent yourself, right? And um, basically switch things up. Now, what I mean by that is when you go back to your old lifestyle is what happens time and time again. When it comes to sustainable weight loss, a massive reason why people uh, fail, most people, is they try and change too much at once. And then they just get to a point after weeks or months, if they're really lucky, and they go fuck this, this is too hard. I can't keep this up. And they go back to how they were living before and they gain the weight back and more. And this happens with most people. This is the biggest problem. So reinventing yourself and doing that, you know, um, on a regular basis, essentially. And that's why it's important to have those sparring partners around you and people who actually support what you want to achieve and they understand the journey you're on. Okay. Um, Yeah. So obviously, remember, when it comes to losing weight and getting sustainable fat loss, you have to make permanent lifestyle changes. So when I say making lifestyle changes, most people can make temporary changes. It's not really impressive. In fact, it puts people in the worst position, right? Again, because when people make temporary changes to their lifestyle and they go back to roll ways, they gain all the weight back, right? So you're looking at making permanent changes to your lifestyle that you can stick to. But in order to do that, you're literally reinventing yourself and you're upgrading your identity. You know, all the habits you implement along your health and fitness journey, my friend, are actually becoming part of your identity. They're becoming part of who you are, you know? So remember that. It's bigger than just, you know, macros, calories, nutrition, training. It's actually reinventing yourself and stepping into the person that you want to be. You've got to look at, right, what kind of person do I need to be, right, to 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 lose this weight or to get to the next level with my health, my physique? Because essentially you're becoming a different person and reinventing yourself. So that's key and that's proven in research. Number five, a big one. Again, I'm going to talk on my experience with myself and with clients. Number five is goal setting regularly. Now, with goal setting, what I see is most people, they overcomplicate things, right? They essentially make things too complicated. They set goals they can't stick to, going back to what I was saying before. And they really just get overwhelmed. Either A, they get overwhelmed, or B, they set really unrealistic goals. 
And what happens is when you don't achieve those goals or when you fall short or perhaps you might even sabotage your goals and, and actually go backwards, right? It happens. What happens then is you get a massive dump in dopamine, right? And this, again, is shown in research. Um, and essentially, you just want to quit and you feel sorry for yourself. You go into the victim mindset. And that's when you can turn to bad habits, like turning to food or whatever other substance to make you feel better, right? When you sabotage those goals or when you don't hit the targets that you wanted to hit. But most of the time, that's because you're setting unrealistic goals. For example, with clients, we set like minimum and maximum non-negotiables. So I always like to set the minimum, right? It could be something as simple as, let's just say how many times you're going to train a week. Let's just keep this really simple, right? So a lot of people, you know, you want to go from zero to 100. Oh, I'm going to train six times a week. You're not going to do that forever, right? If you're going from zero to six times a week, it's not going to happen long term. Let's just be realistic here. And if you set that goal and you fail, right? Again, you try and change too much at once and you go backwards. Then what happens? You have a massive dump of dopamine and essentially you feel like shit. And then you turn to bad habits or just sabotage your goals altogether. On the flip side, if you set a bare minimum non-negotiable workouts, for example, right? I am not settling for anything less and three workouts per week, or even you could say 12 workouts a month. Because sometimes, you know, you might have stuff pop up in the week if you've got kids or a busy professional life, and you only get two sessions in. Well, guess what? The next week, you do four sessions, so you average it to 12 a month. These are all just very simple examples. Um, but you've got to set very simple goals that you can stick to. Again, we could go deeper and we could set uh, we could go in terms of long term goals and visions and examples, but we're going to be here all day as you do another podcast on that. Um, but goal setting regularly is really, really important. So reassessing going right. Okay, so I've cemented in this habit now. Going to the gym is like brushing my teeth. I'm doing my 12 sessions a month or three sessions a week or five sessions a week, whatever that looks like to you. That's not a problem. That's not change anymore. In fact, I love that. Uh, I get it done first thing in the morning. Great. Then it's like, right, what is it? And then, you know, you might want to lose a certain amount of weight. Okay, let's set that target. Let's set a realistic target. Okay, what do I need to do to achieve that? Going back to the meal prep thing. Right, I need to prepare my meals. I need to have X, Y, and Z meals prepared for these days. Bang. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. That's another goal set, right? Preparing your meals for the week or having a company do that for you. Um, and then it's the knock-on effect then of the weight loss that comes with that. Right, how much weight am I looking to lose uh, over the next, let's say, quarter, three months? Okay, so on average, I'm going to lose five pounds a month, for example. That's what I'm aiming for. Okay, what do I need to do to achieve that? I need to do this amount of steps, this amount of workouts, and I need to have my meals prepared. Bam, I'm going to stick to that, non-negotiable. So these are just examples, right? But you have to set these things regularly. And with clients, we uh, we do regular check-ins with this. Um, and we just make sure that people are um, setting goals and that we're doing it in a way where it's achievable and measurable, um, and people are, you know, continuously moving forwards and, and stretching their vision, really. But don't overcomplicate things with that one, ladies and gents. Number six is, um, you know, we always talk about motivation, right? Now, motivation needs to come intrinsically. This has been proven in research again when it comes to long-term success with fat loss, weight loss, and getting into the shape of your life. You really have to have that intrinsic motivation, my friend. I'm going to give you an example with myself, like I talk about, right? For example, when it comes to uh, self-discipline and eating the right foods and going to the gym, and drinking enough water, getting adequate sleep, all these things are intrinsic motivation for me. In other words, I do them because they make me feel and perform better. And it essentially makes Martin Silva who he is. Because without these habits and without me uh, being on, it doesn't mean I'm on absolute top form all the time and, and I'm perfect, but ordinarily I like to be tight with those things. And 
that makes me at my best, right? And doing these things is enjoyable for me because I know how much more of a better person it makes me, how much better it makes my mood. And then that knock-on effect that has in terms of how I show up for my clients, uh, you know, in business with collaborations or whatever, with my girlfriend, all those kind of things are just better. And all of that comes from within, right? It's an intrinsic motivation, right? I do these things for health, for longevity. I want to live as long as I can, but I also want to add life to my years, right? So, and this is why I always talk about the clients. Like when I have the initial call with them, for example, I like, I go deep. I, I ask them questions sometimes they've never asked before in terms of real reason to change. Why is this important to you? Let's go deeper on that. What impacts are going to have if you continue like you are, right? Um, and I need to see what the motivation is behind what they're doing. So ladies and gents, if your goal is simply, I want to lose 10 pounds, like I've said before, good luck. It's not going to get you anywhere. You're going to end up in a worse position. You need to go deeper on the why. This shit is not easy. Everyone thinks they want the answer with this stuff. Oh, okay, just give me this and give me that and then I'll do it. No, it doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, you've got to know why it's important to you and you've got to be doing it for the right reasons. In other words, like I always say, you should be focusing on the health markers, right? When I show up in the gym, when I eat this way, you know, when I sleep well, when I spend time with the right people, or when I get my steps in and move more, um, you just notice you feel better, your energy levels are better, you're more productive, okay? Your libido is higher when your testosterone is higher from strength training. All these kind of things have a massive, massive effect. Sex is better, right? I could keep going down the list. So that's why you've got to pay attention to these things. But the intrinsic motivation is going to look different for everyone. I haven't got kids yet. I will have at some point but a lot of my clients have. And obviously that's another example, right? It's like, I want to be at the be my best. I want to be a role model for my kids. I want to lead by example, right? I want them to be the best version of themselves, right? So, you know, we can go down the rabbit hole, but that motivation when it comes to long-term success with sustainable fat loss and health it needs to be intrinsic uh, and not, you know, external. Like, right, I just want to lose a bit of fat. I just want to fit into this dress. That's great. You can have that as a goal. That's fantastic, right? You can, uh, but the other stuff is what's going to keep you going. Number seven. Now, these ones now, uh, there's research to back these up, right? But uh, these are just wisdom and from all the people I've coached. And, you know, I just want to talk here more relatable stuff. So number seven is, I've talked about this many a times, but strength training, you know, resistance training and the effect on metabolism, right? There's loads of studies on this. I'm going to give you another example of a study, which I may have uh, mentioned before. I'm going to give you an example of um, uh, two studies, actually, right? Now, one is, for example, there was a group, It was, I think it was only a 12-week study, right? But what they did, they had one group who were uh, focusing on uh, nutrition, right? So having nutrition uh, diet, having high protein and having that monitored, right? So they could essentially, you know, get leaner, be in a calorie deficit, but do it the right way. Also, so one was like just diet and weight training. The other group was um, diet and cardio. And then the third group were doing diet weights and cardio, right? Now, the group which lost the most weight and the most body fat over that 12-week period by a long shot, it was actually, I can't remember the exact results, but it was pretty drastic for a short-term short, short -term study, uh, was obviously the diet and weights group. Now, the effect on metabolism, they're still figuring out, but cut a long story short, when you lift weights, your metabolism elevates your body. It's a thing called EPOC, um, which is exercise post-oxygen consumption. Essentially, your body is burning more calories for, well, research shows up to two days after you've lifted weights, your metabolism is elevated. But generally, the protein synthesis process, which is the when your metabolism is elevated, is going to be probably at its peak for anywhere between, say, 10 to 12 hours up to 24 hours, right? 
So it's the knock-on effect. It's the afterburn from doing weight training, which is really important. And then when you look at diet and you look at protein, there was another study done. Obviously, I just mentioned that one, right? Diet and training uh, had the best results with fat loss. Um, but when you look at a um, uh, the other study, which was on protein, again, I've mentioned this before, a recent study, actually, two groups, they had the same calories, right? Exactly the same calories. And we all know you can't argue with the law of thermodynamics, right? You know, you got to burn more calories than you eat to lose weight and you got to eat more to gain, right? So they had the same calories, which is mind blowing, right? And a lot of people hated this, right? In that community of, oh, it's just calories in versus calories out, right? Which we all know is there's way more to it than that, right? Yes, that is the case. Um, but that's another conversation. So anyway, the group which are having high protein, um, the one group were having high protein, the other group were having like low to moderate protein, had the same calories, the high protein group. Again, it was over a 12-week period. I lost significantly more body fat, right? And again, I know I'm talking about long-term sustainable fat loss here, but when you look at those um, principles that I mentioned there, um, this has been tried and tested for me. I've been doing this for 20 years now, lifting weights and you know high protein, all those kind of things, at least a couple of decades, at least a decade or so with the, the nutrition. And I can tell you firsthand, I can't get enough food in. I know genetics play a part in this as well, but all the clients I've coached as well, my method is always right. Let's have a look at your nutrition. Let's uh, make resistance training the cornerstone of your program. That doesn't mean you're not going to do cardio and all those kind of things. I'm not demonizing those things. I just want to focus on the things which are going to get my clients bang for buck. And that's going to be nutrition, weights, and movement. When I say movement, how many steps are you doing on a daily basis? How can we increase your daily activity to increase the calorie output as well? And that makes it way more sustainable because it's easier to integrate into your lifestyle rather than doing crazy amounts of cardio and stuff, right? So resistance training effect on metabolism, number seven is key. And they were the studies I wanted to tie into that one. Uh, last but not least, there's three more. Uh, a big one with fat loss is uh, doing mini bulks and mini cuts, okay? So in other words, if you're looking to lose fat and keep it off and you're looking to lose stubborn body fat as well, uh, you have got to go through periods of reverse dieting. I would say about 80 to 90% of people, they need to just go for a long period of six to 12 months of reverse dieting. In other words, slowly increasing calories, doing it the right way, high protein, good quality foods, a proper training, strength training program to build muscle and develop their metabolism to make it more sustainable so they can get away with more calories, Right. Um, so you can call that a bulk reverse diet and whatever you want to call it. I know women, you're like, ah, bulk. No, what I mean by bulk is building muscle. When you add muscle to your body, you look better anyway, ladies, right? You look more toned or sculpted, whatever, whatever smart word you want me to use, right? Ladies, that's how you look when you add muscle to your body. Um, but to lose fat, you have got to go through those periods of being in a bit of a calorie surplus and slowly strategically though, you know, you don't want to be guessing with this stuff. You want to know what you're doing with this. Um, and then doing mini cuts to to chip away at the stubborn body fat. So building for a period of time and then cutting for a period of time. In other words, being the calorie deficit. And what I do with clients is I always coincide this. Again, everyone everyone is different. This is the thing when it comes to the human body and people getting results and nutrition. There's so much variance from person to person. It takes me the best part of you know a month to three months to really figure out my client's body and how they respond because we're, we're experimenting and we're trying different types of training methods and we're learning how they respond to different things. It's very complex, ladies and gents, right? So going for a period where you're having more calories and you're focusing on building muscle and then going into like a mini cut period for like, say, I do it with, a, I coincide it with my clients with like a training phase. Let's just say they're doing a specific training phase for four weeks. <laughs> okay, great. Now we're going to... We're going to put you into a deficit um, by, you know, uh, reducing calories a little bit. 
uh, and then we're going to bump you back up. And by doing those mini bulks, mini cuts, that's how you chip away at the body fat and you do it in a way where you're going to be building muscle as well when you're doing those bulking phases. And you're just going to do it in a way then where it's sustainable because you're developing your metabolism along the way and you're chipping away at that stubborn body fat. But the body will store fat and hold on to it unless you give it a reason to lose it. And giving it a reason to lose it means, uh, in other words, you know, uh, increasing your metabolic rates. And by doing that, you have to feed your body more. You have to have more protein. You have to do strength training and stay well-fed for a period of time, all right? Now, I don't want to go too much into the weeds of that. I'm trying to make this simple to understand and just give you ideas on what I mean by that. Not ideas, but give you an insight into what I mean by that and, and with clients. I can't talk about, you know, this is exactly how you do it because it's going to be different for everyone listening back to this, right? Um, anyway, number nine, I've mentioned this before, another study done, but real food versus processed foods. Um, you like this happens time and time again. Um, when people are overweight, if you're overweight and you're listening to this and you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to say how it is, right? Don't take this the wrong way, but if you've got excess body fat on your body, right. Um, and you're struggling to lose that fat, you're struggling to lose the weight. Um, quite simply, you, you're eating the wrong kinds of foods, even if you deny it. I'm not saying you're always eating the wrong foods. What I'm saying is there's too much processed foods or the next point, which is alcohol, I'm going to come to on point 10. There's too much foods which are not single ingredient foods, for example. They're not real food. They're not whole foods, which keep you naturally satiated. Otherwise, you wouldn't be overeating, right? It's been proven in research, ultra processed foods, in other words, foods with more than one ingredient in it, like a long list of ingredients or anything that comes out of a packet, okay, that includes bread, pasta, um, you know, chocolate biscuits, your cakes, your crisps, all those kind of things. We all know what they are. Um, they, they're designed to make you overeat. They're not designed for health. They're designed to make you eat the fuck out of them, like I've said before. And again, I'm going to talk about this study because I talk about the important ones, which were done on lots of people. And this is a cross study. Um, basically, eating ultra processed foods made the group eat 508 calories more a day, precisely, right? So what they did they crossed the groups over as well because so, there's loads of variants, right? And human behavior and thought patterns with food and everything. So they crossed the groups over to make sure. And what they found was they gave one group unlimited access to whole foods. And there was single ingredient foods, right? I'm just going to give you examples again of that. Beef, avocado, berries, banana, potato, broccoli, single ingredient foods. The other group were given unlimited access to ultra processed foods, bread, pasta, cakes, cheese, all those kind of things. Keep going down the list. And yeah, they ate 500, 508 calories more a day on average, right? And then they crossed the groups over and pretty much the same thing happened. They ate roughly around about 500 calories more a day. And to give you some context on that, 500 calories a day works out 300, three and a half thousand calories a week, which give or take means that you would gain around about a pound of fat a week if you were eating all ultra processed foods. Okay. So you need to be eating, in my opinion, at least 85% real foods, whole foods. Okay. Like I can just give you a list of the foods that I eat at the moment. People know I eat carnivore-ish, animal-based, right? The foods that I eat, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole either, right? But the foods that I eat each week, right? Beef, grass-fed beef is, is the number one source of food for me. Eggs, uh, the oils I use is like ghee oil or olive oil. Um, I have avocado. I eat berries sometimes, not every day. I have, um, what else will I eat? Uh, you know, I'll eat some beef liver, dark chocolate. I do like my dark chocolate, but that's at least 85%. That's not every day either. That's probably on average, say two, three times a week. I'll have a, about 40, 50 grams of 85% minimum dark chocolate, which is not much sugar in it. 
Uh, you could say that's processed, but the reality is it's not ultra processed. And I get the uh, green and black's organic one, and it's, it's natural cane sugar in there, so it's not refined sugars, and it doesn't make me want to eat more anyway, which is what those processed foods do. And that's pretty much it, really. Obviously, I do. I just mean the barley. I ate some different foods and everything else. Right, I'm a human, but um, you know, I don't overeat when I eat those foods. In fact, I find it hard to get enough food in. All right. So you've got to be eating predominantly whole foods, real food. I've said this many a times. I'm going to keep saying it. If you're eating too much ultra processed foods, you're not going to lose fat. Good luck with that. You're never going to get into the shape you want to get into, my friend. So that's where the behaviors and the, you know, the thought patterns around food and stuff like that need to be worked on. Last but not least is alcohol, right? Now, alcohol, the body has to essentially metabolize uh, ethanol or ethanol, whatever you want to, I think it's ethanol is pronounced or ethanol, which is the uh, one of the toxins found in alcohol. It has to actually, all the body care, let's say you have a few drinks and you're eating as well. The body needs to metabolize the poison and the ethanol from, uh, from the al alcohol first before it starts metabolizing food and everything else, which obviously means there's a much higher chance, excuse me, that you're going to you know, the, you know, you're going to put some of those excess calories into, into fat storage, right? Especially if you're just overeating calories. So it, it does change the way things are metabolized, right? With alcohol, but also it's the inhibitions, like I mentioned before, right? The decision-making when you drink, um, a lot of people make poor decisions when they're drinking with food, right? And, you know, you end up overeating. Um, so yeah, so really just, you know, moderating alcohol, uh, or, you know, eliminating it altogether, at least for a period of time, you know, one to two drinks, I think like seven servings, like maybe one small drink a day on average is like, that's like the safe amount. Like, well, human even says two drinks a week, right? R research shows that essentially we all know it's terrible for us on a physiological level. Yes. I had a few drinks in Bali. Um, but thankfully, I've got a great relationship with alcohol now, right? Because I've worked on that for a long period of time. And I can have, I, sometimes I'll have four or five drinks, but I'll drink it in one hour and in the daytime. So it doesn't affect my sleep and it doesn't affect my decision making or anything like that because I've managed to moderate it. But it's taken me a long time to get to that level. Um, but alcohol is going to be a losing battle, my friend, if you're drinking too much of that. It's not just the calories from the alcohol. It's the detrimental effect on sleep, like I mentioned before, on the decision-making. Um, but also, it, it is metabolized differently. So you've got a higher chance, if you've eaten excess calories, of uh, spilling some over into fat storage, um, depending on how much you've drank and everything else. And again, everyone's different with how they metabolize things, right? Um, but yeah, number 10 is definitely going to be limiting or um, you know, significantly reducing alcohol, basically, because of the knock-on effect with sustainable fat loss. And this is not on research. This is just in the hundreds of people I've coached in my own journey I've been on myself. So just to wrap this up, ladies and gents, right? People who gained the weight back, right? Um, this this is shown in research with the people that you know made excuses or found it too hard to prioritize their training. So they didn't have enough structure going back to the pre-planning pre thing. And they would skip sessions or whatever, and then they would sabotage. The all or nothing mentality, that's what some of my best clients used to struggle with. And it's a big problem, let's be honest, right? Um, and, you know, if you don't train, for example, or stick to your plan perfectly, you hit the off button, and then you go back to square one, right? And that's what happens with a lot of people. They don't prioritize their training, they hit the off button, um, and then they go back to square one. The other one then is like just not enough structure with food, like I said, pre-planning. And with food prep as well, it can be really simple, for me, you know, I just need to have protein available, just like meat available. Like for me, my main source of the only meat I eat really is beef, to be honest. I don't eat any chicken or anything like that anymore when I cook my meals myself, which is pretty much all the time, other than when I was in Bali, of course. Um, and I just need to have that meat available. And if I've got that meat available, then I'm good because I know I'm not going to go hungry, right? So just just keep it really, really simple. Having lean protein for you, that could be any type of meat. It could be 
beef, it could be fish, it could be chicken, it could be whatever that looks like for you. Having that available and prepared uh, is going to be key for, for your results. That's just an example, right? But they're the people who gain the weight back. And the other thing then was uh, when people jump on the scales, this can be a big problem, right? I'm sure you can relate to this. When you get on the scales, your weight's stayed the same or it might even gone up by a few pounds. You lose motivation and you quit, right? Um, and then not only do you quit, again, research shows people turn to food emotional eating to feel better when the weight didn't go down or if the weight went up a tiny bit, right? So, you know, what you got to look at is, you know, fat loss is not linear, right? It doesn't happen in a straight line. In fact, sometimes you might not lose any weight for two to three weeks maximum, right? But it doesn't mean you're not getting leaner. That's where you got to track uh, with photos and other metrics like body composition, right? So people who gain it back with lack of structure, okay? Um, and then getting too attached to the metrics in terms of uh, the weight on the scales, losing motivation and quitting, or even worse, sabotaging and turning to food or whatever else uh, to make themselves feel better when the weight didn't go up. And that's a vicious cycle a lot of people find themselves in, and you may be able to relate to that. And that's happened with lots of clients I've taken on in the past. They said they've struggled for this for years and years. Um, yeah, and they're just always relieved when I can, you know, some people, I'll ban them from weighing themselves. Uh, a new client I took on recently, I told her to uh, get the weighing scales out of sight and not allowed to weigh yourself uh, for at least three to six months. And we're going to focus on the other metrics and we're going to focus on, uh, you know, implementing the habits, which are going to help you not lose, not just lose the weight, but keep the weight off and the lifestyle changes. All right, ladies and gents, hope that was helpful, right? There was a lot of information there. Remember, just dissect a few things and take that on board and implement one or two of those things. Um, and, you know, it could be a game changer, right? Um, but yeah, so I'm going to wrap it up there. And what I want everyone to do, right, please listen up. Um I am going to be opening up a few spaces for my coaching program as you are listening to this, okay? And I'm going to be looking for a handful of people who really want to get leaner, stronger, and fitter than they ever thought possible uh, within the next 90 days. So now's your chance, my friend. If you've been sitting on the fence for so bloody long, right, that you've got bloody blisters on your ass, I know a lot of you listening to this, you've been thinking about joining the program, um, but you haven't reached out, and I totally understand that. But now is a huge opportunity for you to actually take that opportunity and to really become the best version of yourself um, and get into the shape of your life, really. Um, you know, transform your confidence and really just like boost your energy and, you know, like I said, get leaner, fitter and stronger than you ever thought possible. So all you got to do, right, if um, this is something that you really want to commit to, um, I'd be more than happy to have a chat with you. I can't help everyone, but I'm more than happy to have a chat with you. Um, you can either A, fill out the coaching inquiry form, which is in the show notes. So straight away, look in the show notes, fill out the coaching inquiry form, right? Or, you know, just DM me on Instagram. DM me with the word info, and then we can chat. Like, you don't necessarily have to fill out the uh, coaching inquiry form. Just DM me. We can have a chat. I'm happy to help either way. I really uh, appreciate everyone who listens back to this. Um, so, yeah. And then also in the show notes whilst you're there, don't forget to subscribe to my email list. You're going to get free... Uh, resources and valuable emails twice a week. And you're also going to get a free training and nutrition plan just for signing up for my email address. So again, that's going to be in the show notes. So just check underneath just where this podcast is in the show notes, and you're going to get links for both of those things. And yeah, and last but not least, ladies and gents, um, if you like this episode, please just simply take a screenshot and just tag me on your Instagram story. I'd love to see where you're at in the world. I'd love to connect with you as well and find out who you are and just connect with you and where you're at in the world. Uh, and just get this message out to people, ladies and gents, because, you know, there's so many podcasts out there nowadays. 
Thankfully, the podcast is growing thanks to all the people tuning in and some of the guests I've had on and just valuable content I'm putting out there. Uh, but there's millions of podcasts out there, right? So sometimes people are overwhelmed with information. And you know, I like to simplify things and give people uh, the action steps they need to uh, really, you know, improve the way, improve the quality of their life. So please tag me at Martin Silver Fitness on Instagram on your story. If you'd like this episode, take a screenshot, do that. I'd love to see where you're at in the world. I love that because that really helps uh, support the podcast and get the good word out there. All right, ladies and gents, thanks for listening. Um, I've got some, you know, there's going to be some incredible stuff going on uh, with this podcast. You know, I've uh, made it more kind of, uh, what's the word? Versatile now, this podcast, if, that, if that's the right word. I've had some guests on there. You know, I like to talk about all metrics of health, true health, and that includes relationships. And I like to talk about stuff that I'm interested in as well. But I also, more importantly, um, do like to get guests on that I know people in the audience are going to get value from. Okay, so there's going to be so much more amazing content coming. So please stay tuned and make sure you subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to. So you get updates of the new episodes. I know a lot of you listen, but you're not subscribed. Anyway, over and out, ladies and gents. Speak soon.